From WGVU, this is Focus West Michigan for February 9, 2024. I'm Joe Balecki. For our main feature today, Scott Vanderwerf talks to Studio C's Eric Kuiper about the new movies coming out this weekend. Also, the annual Walk for Warmth happens this Saturday. The president has approved FEMA funds after last August's big storm and more state and West Michigan news. Focus West Michigan is brought to you by listeners like you. To support this show and everything we do here, visit wgvunews.org and click the donate button. Kent County Community Action is hosting its 36th annual Walk for Warmth, which is dedicated to heating assistance for Kent County residents in need. WGVU's Jennifer Moss has more. On Saturday, Kent County Community Action leadership, staff, volunteers, and residents will take part in the 36th annual Walk for Warmth. Kent County Commissioners will also be participating in the opening program. The event is held to raise funds to keep the heat on for numerous families in Kent County. Here's Gustavo Perez, Director of Kent County Community Action. We do this event to, one, spread awareness about the need We have a lot of households in our community uh, here in Kent County and West Michigan that uh, struggle just to pay bills, just to keep up with the utility costs, especially for heat. And we want to make sure that uh, there's no household um, that has to worry about keeping the heat on during uh, the colder or, or winter months. Perez says the need is growing and all proceeds go directly back to Kent County families. The Donations that we receive allow us to uh, supplement and support families uh, for a longer period. Uh, It also um, catches some of those families that that just don't qualify for anything, but they're still struggling. Perez says anyone can participate by walking, sponsoring, or donating. The walk will be held on Saturday, February 10th with registration at 9 a.m. You can find more information about the walk at accesskent.com forward slash walk for warmth. I'm Jennifer Moss. President Joe Biden has approved Michigan's request for a disaster declaration for storm damage from August 2023. WGVU's Dee Morrison explains what help is available. In August 2023, storm fronts brought heavy rain, strong winds, and seven tornadoes. It affected nine counties across the state, leaving behind damage to roads, bridges, and buildings. Hundreds of homeowners reported residential flooding. President Biden has now approved Michigan's request for a disaster declaration for the damage. That means funds from the Federal Emergency Management Agency, or FEMA, are available now to those affected, including Ionia and Kent County residents. They can receive grants for temporary housing and home repairs, low-cost loans to cover uninsured property losses, and may be covered under other FEMA programs. The federal assistance is in addition to ongoing state and local recovery efforts. Residents and business owners can apply by contacting FEMA. I'm Dee Morrison. The Michigan Department of Environmental, Great Lakes, and Energy, or EGLE, announced plans this week to implement new protections against lead in school drinking water. WGVU's David Limbaugh has more about those plans. Last October, Governor Whitmer signed the first filter legislation. This bipartisan legislation sends $50 million in funding and other resources to support the installation of lead-reducing water stations at schools and child care facilities throughout the state of Michigan. Under the new legislation, schools must develop a 
drinking water management plan, install filters on all drinking water fixtures, and test filtered water annually. Child care centers must also follow these guidelines, but only need to test their water once every two years. Funding for these changes will be administered by Eagle, who will also provide guidance and templates to schools and child care centers by April of this year. Those facilities will then have until January 24, 2025 to have their drinking water management plans completed, with approved filters attached to all drinking water sources by the end of the 2025-2026 school year. According to Eagle, Michigan's lead testing requirements are the strictest in the nation, and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention has stated that no safe blood lead level has ever been identified in children. I'm David Limbaugh. Four southeast Michigan counties and the city of Detroit are filing federal lawsuits against insulin makers and the companies that set drug prices for major pharmacies. They accuse those companies of colluding to drive up the price of insulin some 1,500% in the last 20 years. Mark Bernstein is an attorney representing the municipalities. He says the lawsuits have two main goals. One, that these defendants right here stop their disgraceful price gouging conduct. And two, these plaintiffs, these municipalities, just simply want their money back. These are the first such lawsuits filed in Michigan. Local leaders say inflated insulin prices cost them millions of dollars each in employee health benefits. Wayne, Macomb, Washtenaw, and Monroe counties have already filed lawsuits. Detroit's mayor wants to follow suit, but he says he needs city council approval first. Governor Gretchen Whitmer was in Detroit yesterday to drum up support for her budget proposals. She's outlined plans for universal pre-K and two years of free community college. Budget negotiations are starting with the state house deadlocked, as Democrats await two April special elections they hope will give them a majority. Whitmer says she's not concerned about getting the budget done on time. This was my sixth budget. Every budget has been bipartisan and balanced, regardless of whether the Republicans were in control in my first term or the Democrats. Now, uh, that will continue to be the case. The deadline for the full budget is October 1st, but lawmakers have instituted a goal of July 1st for the education budget so schools know how much money they have to spend. We invite you to celebrate Black History Month with a closer look at the lives of the many Black Americans who have made indelible marks on history with their artistry, achievements, leadership, and community activism. From the heroes of the past to the visionaries of the present, WGVU Public Media is committed to bringing you content that educates, inspires, informs, and entertains. Learn more at wgvu.org slash blackhistorymonth. Lisa Frankenstein is a horror comedy directed by Zelda Williams with a screenplay by Diablo Cody. It mixes slapstick comedy with a raging love story. Out of Darkness is a genuine horror movie that takes place in prehistoric times. The Teacher's Lounge examines the modern school system in Britain and how to have sex is a coming-of-age drama. Also, Dune Part 1 has returned to the big screen. All this and more from WGVU Scott Vanderwerf and Eric Kuyper from Studio C. There's a young man. I talk to him. I wish I was with you. That's really weird, Lisa. And that's Lisa Frankenstein, which is a horror comedy directed by Zelda Williams. And it's written by Diablo Cody, who uh, came to fame as the screenwriter of Juno. And what are you hearing about this, Eric? Well, it's a fun sort of uh, almost anti-Valentine's Day, kind of Valentine's Day love story. Um, So as you can guess by the title, you know, Frankenstein being in there, 
uh, you do have sort of the undead dead kind of piece to this. So essentially this is this young girl, she has a crush. Just the only only issue is she has a crush on a dead guy and she's just infatuated with him. And through some quirky set of events, of course, I don't know if lightning hits the tombstone or something, he's more, he's reanimated and comes back to life and she's thrilled and they start this relationship. But you know, because he's spent a little time in the grave, he's got some not so functional body parts in which they decide to, you know, kind of move throughout town and harvest some replacement parts for him. And you know, start stitching them on, you know, a la Frankenstein. And, uh, and, you know, so she kind of is creating, recreating this, you know, love interest of hers. So it's like a, it's like a dark comedy. I mean, it says horror, but it's just because there's some gruesome stuff in there. I mean, it's not, it's not like, uh, you know, the demonic horror genre or something like that. It's, it's much more campy and, and fun than that. It, it looks, it looks really funny. Uh, like, it just looks like they're having a good time with this, like, sort of, you know, uh, like I said, sort of like the the love story, but, you know, kind of the romantic that's not so romantic, you know, kind of way of doing things. So it just looks like a good time. Speaking of uh, horror films, there's a, a real horror movie called Out of Darkness that's opening as well. Yeah, this is um, so the movie takes place like 45,000 years ago. So we're talking like, you know, kind of caveman era and this group of, of uh, individuals, they uh, they float up on the shore on the, you know, they're on their kind of rickety boat. And essentially it's like a creature feature. The issue is here they are on the shore. They're extremely exposed. Off in the distance are mountains, which promise to have caves and safe dwelling for them. And they got to get from point A to point B. The only issue is the terrain and everything that lives amongst that terrain, you know, that could stop them from getting there. And, you know, and here lies the creatures and beasts and all that stuff. It's actually subtitled. I'm not entirely sure which language they're speaking 45,000 years ago. So it is subtitled and there's some other some other language at play here. Um, so in, in that way, it plays it plays as a, a foreign language film, if you will. But it's a it's it's an action uh, like an action flick where it's just like, are they going to get there? How many of them are going to survive kind of situation? So uh, it looks really fun. Uh, fun little fact. This film was originally called The Origin, but because of the movie Origin that came out a few weeks ago, I think they rightfully didn't want to be uh, confusing since these movies couldn't be any more different from each other. So uh, this one's called Out of Darkness instead. Also opening a uh, drama called The Teacher's Lounge. Yeah, this is the uh, German um, uh, entry for Best International Film. And um, so what they're doing here is they are taking uh, they're taking a school as a microcosm of the larger society. So the, the film is about this young teacher, you know, maybe a little idealistic. She's, you know, really pouring herself into the life of her students. There's some theft that starts taking place in the school and one of her students gets accused. She starts to engage with this, try to defend him. The more she gets involved, the more everything starts to go sideways. And, you know, parents and community, everything starts rushing in and accusations and all this stuff. I mean, you know, I'm married to a teacher. I have uh, an, a few really good friends who are principals. Anybody who's adjacent to the school systems here in America as well know that this is, in fact, the case, that our school systems often board meetings uh, for schools uh, involve police officers escorting administrators in and out because they are so contentious these days. And so this film is leaning into that reality that we bring all of this junk 
to the place where our kids are, you know, being educated and it plays itself out in, you know, who, who is to gain and who is to lose in these situations, you know, becomes part of the question. So really powerful, uh, uh performance in this one, uh, 99% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. So one of the best films of the year, uh, in German entry, as I said, also a coming of age film, how to have sex. Yeah. So, uh, this is, you know, this in some ways I feel like as a parent is, it's like a nightmare movie to watch, right? So it's these three kind of college age girls uh, off on holiday. It's actually a British film. They're off on holiday, uh, aka I, I think it's spring break, and um, you know they're 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 out to you know drink and party and you know uh, and have a good time and hook up and all of this stuff, right? Well, one morning, uh, two of the girls wake up and their friend, you know, hasn't come back that night. They think she's next door. She's not. Where is she? And, you know, here here goes the movie, right? Um, what happened to her? Is she okay? All of this stuff. So uh, what, what I think is compelling about the film, from my understanding, is this is a film, you know, made by a millennial uh, about their experience of, of adolescence and emerging adolescence. Um, and, you know, so again, you know, I think like some of the things we talked about last week, raw, authentic, you know, these are the, these are the words that critics are, are connecting to this. So it's, you know, it's an intense, you know, it's an intense film that um, isn't just like, uh, you know, like, oh, hey, fun party movie, blow off steam. This thing is actually trying to get into like, what is it, what is it, feel like to be a 20 something, you know, growing up and trying to understand themselves and all the complexities and, and, you know, quite frankly, dangers of all that. And uh, the uh, Dune part two is coming out on March 1st, but uh, the part one has come back now into the theaters and uh, I I missed Dune part one. So I'm looking forward to seeing this. And uh, will this get a, a fairly wide release? It is. We are, you know, we're playing it in all of our locations um, uh, uh, starting uh, today, and and we'll we'll try to hold it around for as long as we can. I mean, like you said, you're you're not alone in the fact that when uh, not seeing it in the theaters. I mean, a lot of people saw Dune in theaters, but a lot of people didn't because of when it was released and its you know proximity still around COVID and all of that stuff. And in fact, it was put off almost a year, wasn't it? The The release was delayed, yes. So it did finally come out, but still more adjacent to the pandemic than, you know, some people were ready to come back to the theaters for, you know. So, um, you know, Warner Brothers, I think, is really smartly giving people the chance to see this again on, on the big screen. This weekend, it is playing on IMAX. Um, that will not be the case uh, for the full run of it. So if you want to see it on the biggest screen, you need to do that in the next week. And then that will shift over um, here in a, actually in a few days. Come Valentine's Day, Madam Webb will take over the IMAX screen. So um, there's just a, a, little bit of, a little bit of time to see it there, but it will be playing other formats uh, for some time. And, you know, I mean, if people haven't seen it, um, this is the quieter of the two parts, but no less massively visual and cinematic. Um, you know, the first half of the book is does a lot of world building. It's a lot of character building. You know, in the second half, which, you know, we're now about to get uh, in the beginning of March, 
is an action war flick. You know, I mean, it's still, but you know, it, it does require you to have been situated within this world. I think the second movie will be a ton of fun to watch. If had you hadn't seen the first one, I'm sure they'll help you catch up on some level. But if you really want to appreciate all the dynamics of this, you know, epic novel, um, you really need to know who these characters are and the interplay between them and who's who was around and who's not around and all of that stuff. So uh, I, I can't wait to see it again uh, on the big screen uh, because it is just so beautiful to look at. I mean, he just did an incredible job with this. Um, and, you know, Chalamet did a great job. Zendaya, Zendaya's part will grow in the second, you know, the second film. I mean, she's certainly featured in the first one, but she's a much bigger part of the second half of the story for sure. And uh, um, uh, Valentine's Day is the middle of next week. So tell us about Madam Web. Yeah. So Madam Web is in the spider verse, if you will. It's, it, you know, she shows up i think in 1980 was the first comic book that she showed up in and she's an actually an elderly elderly woman on like a life support system that looks like a web and you know she can't see she can't her body doesn't function fully all of these things that's not where we are in this story at all it's that she's played by dakota uh, johnson in this film and she is you know a 30 something emt what and they share is that they both have this sort of, you know, sixth sense to of being able to see the future. And then therefore, obviously, she starts to get involved in, well, you know, what do you do about this future you see? And, you know, can you change uh, what's going to happen? Um, and then there are multiple, there are three other young women that get involved in this who are all spider women of their own rights by the end of the film. Um, and it's, you know, there are some people that I know who have seen it, who went in with pretty low expectations, like, ah, I don't know that we need another log on this fire and they walked out of it actually having really enjoyed it much more than they thought they were going to so i i think it looks fun there's not a lot of spideriness in this movie it's more of sort of a thriller action movie than it is like a superhero movie although that is still the marvel context you're living in all right well thanks for joining us thanks guys This has been Focus West Michigan from WGVU for February 9, 2024. I'm Joe Balecki. Our audio operations manager is Rick Beerling and our news and public affairs director is Patrick Center. We'll be back with more news and events in West Michigan on Monday, wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.